Dr. Mark Job speaking at Founders Week. Respond to his voice, to his word, and to say, I am responsible for my spiritual condition. I will not remain in dry bones. I will arise, I will hear the shaking, I will rekindle my calling, I will serve and seek God. Welcome back to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute. Hey, maybe you need a spiritual shakeup like we heard in that clip from Pastor Mark. And that takes us to Ezekiel 37, where today we're going to hear the second half of a message first heard at Founders Week. That's the Bible conference from Moody Bible Institute. And if you've ever wondered if dry bones could come back to life, stick around. Here's Pastor Mark. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That's the power of the Word of God. Spurgeon said, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. If we want conversions, we must put more of God's Word into our sermons. It must still be His Word upon which we place our reliance for only the only power which we will bless men's lives lies in the Word. You see... I believe that if revival awakening is going to come to our nation, going to come to our lives, I believe that God's church in America has slumbered. We are considered one of the most Christian nations in the world, yet there's a slumbering within the body of Christ. The passion, the zeal, the holiness in living the commitment to live on mission. We don't live in a nation that is a Christian nation. People talk about political solutions, cultural solutions, social economic solutions. I believe that the greatest solution for our country is a church that's revived by the power of the spirit of the living Jesus. So the Bible says that Ezekiel said, so I prophesied. I prophesied as I was commanded. You say, well, Pastor Martin, nothing seems to be happening. Prophesy anyways. No one seems to be listening. Speak anyways. It doesn't seem to be getting better. Preach anyways. I'm not seeing the effect of it. That's all right. God's word never comes back void. Don't stop preaching his word. Don't stop proclaiming his truth because there's power. There is power in the word of God. And so the Bible says, Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was noise, a little rattling, and the bones came together. 
Come on, I can just imagine Ezekiel. He's prophesying, one day you will live again. This is not your destiny. One day God is going to rise you up in a way that you never, oh, you don't look like, oh, don't give me that face because one day God's going to change that smile of yours. There's going to be something different in there. And the Bible says that he's going out prophesying, preaching, nothing's happening. Listen, I'm talking to some pastors that feel like nothing's happening in your church. And I want to say, keep preaching the word of God. Get on your knees. Ask that God would bring a renewal, awakening, revival to your church. It's spirit-empowered, passionate pursuit of God and his word that awakens those that are dead. And so he preaches. And as he's preaching, the Bible says that he starts, he doesn't see anything in the beginning, but he keeps prophesying. Listen, I know I'm talking to someone here. Listen, if you're a pastor listening to me, I want to say keep preaching. It's not over. The mission is not over. Don't resign. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep preaching with authority. Get on your knees. Ask that God would bathe it in supernatural power and you continue to proclaim the unadulterated, inspired word of the living Jesus because it has power. And he continues to preach, and suddenly there's a rattling. He probably thinks it's a mouse, a rat. He hears a little noise over there, and he keeps preaching. He's prophesying to the bones. And then there's a little bit more rattling, and then a sound. And then he hears a lot of rattling start happening. And then something ha starts to happen. It seems like the bones start moving, and they start attaching to one another. And then bone comes on to bones. And so that encourages him some more. And so now he preaches with a little bit greater faith because he sees a little rattling happening. And so he preaches more. And the more he preaches and with the greater faith that he preaches, then it seems like more is happening. And bones are moving together. And he feels like he sees a little little bit of a hand move there and a little bit of a, 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 a leg move as these bones start attaching to one another and he preaches with all of his might and then when he's done preaching, there it is. A bunch of dead people. They're better than they were, but they're pretty bad. Now they're corpses. It's a valley full of bodies. Hear me. The Word had brought them together in a place to receive the breath. Listen, they needed the Word first, but they couldn't live without the breath. So there are churches that preach the Word, and it's important, and you bring things together, and, and there's, there's a semblance there, there's a connection there. But there's another element that God uh, spoke to Ezekiel about, and I wanna, want you to see the, the third point here in verse 9. Listen, it's the Spirit of God is ultimately the agent of awakening and sustained life-giving renewal. So look what happens here. They're making progress, but they're not there. Now there's a valley of dead bodies instead of dry bones. There's now the possibility of life, but it lacks breath. And then God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. I want you to notice He's not prophesying now to the bones. 
He's prophesying to the breath. Do you see the difference? Prophesying to the bones is he's speaking the word of God to people. Prophesying to the breath is prayer. He's calling upon God to do something that he cannot do in the natural. So there's the Word of God that brings it together, and now there's prayer or calling upon God to say, God, you have to do what cannot be done in the natural. And so he says to him now, he says, I want you to prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Commentator Taylor says the second action is tantamount to praying. As Ezekiel besought the Spirit of the Lord to effect the miracle of recreation, to breathe into man's nostrils the breath of life, this time the effect was devastating. What preaching in itself failed to achieve, prayer made a reality. Listen to me, listen to me. I want you to hear me very well. You can be sound in orthodoxy and dry in spirit. You can have right doctrine and be dead. Now, you need to have right doctrine, and you need to divide the Word of God accurately. It needs to be in its context. There needs to be study, diligent study of the Word. But never, never believe that just because you have the right doctrine or you're in the right camp of orthodoxy, that that makes you right with the living God because we can be right doctrinally and very, very dry spiritually. The Word of God was spoken to these dry bones, but they needed something more. And so the Spirit of God said to him, now prophesy to the wind. The breath in Scripture has always been symbolic of the Spirit of the living God. In fact, he said, prophesy to breath. In the Hebrew word, it's ruah. It's translated breath. In verse 5, 6, 8, 9, and 10, it's breath. The Hebrew word is the same word means breath, spirit, and wind. So he prophesies to the wind. He says, wind of God, spirit of God, spirit of almighty God, do something that we cannot do. Come with mighty power, breath of God, and breathe into these people that have truth but have no life, O oh God. And then something starts to happen. Do you know that D.L. Moody was preaching and evangelizing and leading people to Christ? And one evening at the close of one of his messages, two women approached him, and they told him that they were praying for him, and they kept telling him after every service that they were praying for him, and he started to get irritated. And he said, why are you praying for me? Why don't you pray for the lost? They said, no, God has placed on our heart to pray for you. Can I tell you, there's something powerful when, when two older saints get together to pray. 
If you have a prayer ministry, hey, never, never underestimate or undermine people that pray. These were two older women that got together and they said, no, we're praying for you. He said, what are you praying for me? We're praying that you would, you would experience greater spiritual power in your messages. Well, that was a little bit of insult to him, but he got a little bit convicted about it. And so he started joining them in prayer. The testimony, the history says that in September, he started praying with them every Friday at noon that he would pray and minister with greater power because he felt like he needed greater power from the Spirit of God. A month after he started praying, hello historians, listen to this. A month after he started praying, on October the 8th, 1871, Moody Church was destroyed by the Great Chicago Fire. Be careful what you pray. All that Moody had done, built, destroyed in a fire. The world that he knew was shaken, but he had been praying, Oh God, may I minister with greater power. And so God shook his world. Historians tell us that Moody, the next month in November, went to New York devastated by the fire that had happened in Chicago, that thousands of buildings were burned down in this city. 300 people died. It was the great Chicago fire. And Moody was, Moody was shaken to his core because of this. And so he was in New York, walking around the streets. He was raising money to rebuild the church in Chicago. But what was most on his heart was just this desperation to have more of God. And as he walked down the street of a busy New York street, he felt like the Spirit of God, because of his desperation and calling upon God, suddenly came upon his life with greater power. He sensed that God was doing something in his life. He rushed to a friend's house nearby who had a room and he stayed in that room for hours as he prayed that God would fill him in a fresh new way with great power. He talks about a joy that came over him that's undescribable in that time. And then these are his very own words. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred to experience. I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love I had to ask him to stay his hand I went to preach again the sermons were not different I did not present any new truths and yet hundreds were converted the breath of God the Bible tells us that he prophesied and I want you to notice, I want you to hear this. This is really important. Man, I'm drawing this to a close, so stay with me. This is really important. I believe there's some of you today that the Spirit of God is saying, you're dry. You need to have the Word. But listen, you can't do this in your own power. You can't have a healthy marriage in your power. You can't walk in purity in your own power. You can't do your job in your own power. You can't maintain your mental health in your own power. You can't preach in your own power. You can't be a decent human being that loves God in your own power. I don't care if you were raised in a church culture or not. It's not about your power. It's about the power of the living God. 
The Bible says, I will pour out my spirit on you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. I want you to notice as he preached, as he prophesied, as he asked the wind of God to come, this, the presence of God to come, that this, these bodies that were there became a vast army. I can almost even hear the drumbeat of that army. I can almost hear it, but I don't. Now I do. I want you to know that God started to raise up. The breath of God came upon this. The bodies were there. And Ezekiel is saying, come breath of God. Come breath of God. And as he calls upon the breath of God, he starts to see movement. And now he sees over there a hand that starts to twitch and a leg that starts to twitch. And he keeps prophesying, come breath of God. They need your breath, God. They cannot do it without you. God, sweep among these people. And then suddenly a knee jerks over there. And he sees a head pop up. And over there he sees another head pop up. And now there's dozens that are popping up. A knee comes up. And suddenly the first one stands alive, fully clothed. Uh, 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 someone, a soldier of God and then another person pops up over there and another person pops over there and another one and another one and now they're rising up and now there's an army that's standing up front and the Bible says that it's a vast powerful army this is not just people coming to life this is people coming to mission they've been resurrected because they have a call and a mission to restore all that God has called them to restore and now this army army is marching. You hear them clapping. You hear their feet. You hear the noise. They have a purpose and a mission. It's the people of Israel, but it symbolically represents us. Let's stand together. Come on, everyone on their feet. I believe that God is raising a people in this generation that will do the work of God for him. God is raising a people in this generation, breathing in a people today that are in mission for God. God is beginning to put within us a call, resurrecting the dead, bringing us to life in Jesus' name. Because we have a call, we have a mission, until every single person on earth has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have not finished. We will not be stopped until the glory of the Lord fills this earth by His power and in His presence. Keep going, drummer. If you are here today and you say, Pastor Mark, you know I've been a dry bone, but I believe that God is calling me to life. And I have to admit that I've been, in, I, I've been dry. Maybe you've walked away from your calling, but God is saying, you know, you need to restore your calling. I'm speaking to some of you tonight. Your heart has, been, you, your heart has not been soft to the promptings of God. The voice of God has been muffled by all the noise in your life. The fire in your heart has died down to just embers. 
You have been slow to obey, lethargic in worship, lagging in the word, reluctant in your witness, irritated in your relationships, making excuses not to engage in community. You have minimized, excused, blamed, avoided, rationalized your spiritual lethargy and dryness. You blamed it on your age. You blamed it on your church. You blamed it on your pastor. You blamed it on your spouse. Your circumstances, your friends, your, the culture. But tonight, the Spirit of God is challenging you to take a look at yourself and respond to His voice, to His word, and to say, I am responsible for my spiritual condition. I will not remain in dry bones. I will arise, I will hear the shaking, I will rekindle my calling, I will serve and seek God. I believe that God is raising some people like that. If, God, if you know that you're dry bones and God has spoken to you tonight, here's what I want you to do. I need a volunteer, just make your way up these stairs right now. Could you, someone that says, I know I'm dry, but God is awakening me. Come on, don't be afraid of it, don't be ashamed. I know I'm dry, but God is awakening me. Come on, I could take two or three or four or five. I know I'm dry, but God is awakening me. I know I'm dry. I want you to pick up one of those skeletons. Pick up one of these skeletons. I know I'm dry, but God is awakening me, restoring my call. Reviving my heart, stirring me with greater passion. Come on, we, we don't have a lot of skeletons. Go ahead, you could take them off. Yeah, oops. You could take them off. Go ahead, hold his head. This will work. I believe that God is reviving a people. I believe that God is reviving a people. And I believe that there's some, and maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus the Christ. You cannot be re revived unless you're alive. And if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor Mark, I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know Jesus yet. I've never surrendered. I've never acknowledged him as my Lord and Savior. I've never publicly bowed my knee and given my life to him. Then I'm going to ask, if you need to do that, that you would join us on stage. Maybe you have already. But if you're here today, I want you to get out of your seat. Say, excuse me. I need to give my life to Jesus. If you've never done that, then I want you, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're here, I want you to say, I need to give my life to Christ today. Today. If you, if you need to do that, did you make your way out? All right. There's anybody else? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to extend your hand to these people that are on this stage with me today. We're going to do something symbolic because I believe they're on the stage, but there's a whole lot of dry bones that need to be revived. I want you to know that you have a calling. Some of you have given up. Some of you have rejected. Some of you have, have let it go. You stop living in the calling. You stopped interceding. You stopped pursuing holiness. You stopped saying, God, some of you have given up on callings that God had given you, and you've walked away from God-given dreams. 
not because God changed his plans, but because of lukewarmness in your heart and soul. I believe that God wants to do something in Chicago. If we can live in a city that an eight-year-old girl gets shot in plain day, Melissa Ortega, know the name of people that have been violently massacred in our city because the decay, because the moral corruption, because salt changes things. The salt in our city needs to be more salty. We don't live in a Christian nation, but we are a Christian people called by the Spirit of God to live and walk in revival and renewal. So this is symbolic for a whole bunch of people. This is symbolic for a whole bunch of people. Listen, those skeletons that we have, can you just throw those dry bones into the valley without hurting anybody? <laughs> just throw them, just say today, yeah, throw them, throw them. They can, they can get hurt. Yeah, go ahead, no more dry bones. No more dry bones. No more dry bones. No more dry bones. Just try to picture all of those skeletons being thrown off the stage. It was quite a scene. Now, if you're wrestling with your own need for a spiritual shakeup, it has to begin with making Jesus in charge of your life. The Bible word is Savior. The good news is Jesus has done it all paid for our wrongdoing, our sins, and made it possible for us to repent or turn away from our selfish living. And it begins with you inviting Christ to be your Savior. A friend can help you right now at 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. Next week, more compelling teaching with Mark Job. I'm John Geiger. See you then for Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.